0: there we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message to find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved check out our website message.org.uk Lord we thank you so much for the opportunity to to worship you and to talk to you just consider it such an honour God that we get to be in your presence and we get access to you we thank you for Jesus who gives us access crosses the great divide makes a way to the Father. We want to be in your presence, Lord. So as we look at your words, God, the things that you've spoken, written down for us today, we pray help us to fall more deeply in love with you than ever. in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It is ace to be here. I have to say I'm super excited for what's going on in message world, going on around the place. The advance of advance is uh, something that keeps us all on our toes. very deeply exciting, that's amazing. Um, I'll tell you what though, I was a visitor to Message Community Church on Sunday, it's worth you getting the tape, the the, the online online recording, because I'm not dead old, Um, get the online recording because it's quite remarkable, Uh, I'm not going to give the game away because I want you to go and see it, but there is a phenomenal testimony in there, that will blow your socks off of the healing power of Jesus, so go go listen to that, and then also like the baptism testimonies are overwhelming too, so overwhelmed that I felt like I wept all morning, I just really was so stirred and choked, I can't remember the last time I cried, but I'm watching people being baptized, and I was like, like snot and tears, it was um, just incredible, the power of God in that place, overwhelming, get the online version of the uh, of the recording, there you go. And uh, for those people watching as well, be aware that this is the, the day we open our 13th grocery, this time in Bedworth. And so, in about four minutes' time, we will open the doors to what will be a phenomenal ministry in that neighborhood. So, please be praying today, throughout this week, as they uh, begin to serve there. It'll be absolutely amazing. If you've got your Bibles, please do open them to uh, Luke chapter 14. We're going to start on verse 25. I have to say, a nice, easy passage for a Tuesday morning. So uh, hold on to your seats. It starts with this, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Uh, I wonder, when I read that, I wonder when we look at what is to come, whether Jesus decides at this point, with a large crowd that Luke draws our attention to, whether he's trying to get rid of a few and whether he's getting a bit burdened by the amount of people that seem to be following him, and he wants to get to the bottom of why they're there, wants to really get the crowd whittled down, make sure he can get those who are following him that are really serious about being with him. And so he begins to talk about the cost of discipleship. And if you hadn't realized, the cost is high. Let me read what it says. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate Father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters. Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciples. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Real Deal Christianity. This is heavy stuff. Oh my goodness. You know what I realize is they don't teach this stuff at Sunday school. I don't think I've yet to find a, um, a coloring in sheet with Luke 14 verse 26 on it imagine going home on a Sunday and you're just about to have your dinner and your kid gives you this mummy look what I did for you and it says follow me hate your mum and dad that isn't something that goes well stick that on your fridge and you're getting a visit from social services because it's not okay to be a disciple of Jesus we have to hate our family how does that work I don't know about you, I don't read it and think, brilliant, that sounds great, that fits. In fact, it really doesn't fit. Let's just call it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the Jesus that we know and love, the God who is meek and mild, the the one who uh, is utterly loving, the one who tells us to love our neighbor, the one who's already told us we're to love our enemies, the one who says we're to honor our father and mother, and now we get these things, These difficult words, after all the incredible words, surely that seems inconsistent. But things aren't as they seem. You should breathe a small sigh of relief. This is a kind of uh, hyperbole. This is a form of exaggeration. It's something that would have been used in Jewish speak, kind of like poetic license. It's called an idiom. I was never taught uh, idioms at school. My kids know what idioms are. I got a list from them last night. Here you go. They've all got animals in them. Cold turkey, hold your horses, elephant in the room, bull in a china shop, got me goat, ducks in a row, eager beaver, headless chicken, tail wagging the dog, sacred cow, cock and bull story, and the list goes on. These are idioms, and Jesus is using a Jewish idiom. He's using a kind of poetic speech to emphasize a point, and the word that he uses for hatred is kind of an exaggerated form. It's actually used as a comparison. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to love your family way less than you love me way less. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to love me way more Way more than you love them. Love me so much more than you do your family that, that the love you have for them almost looks like it's unloving because you love me so much, it's incomparable. Almost like Joey Tribbiani. I don't know if you remember that famous line from from Friends. He's saying, over the line, you're so past the line, you can't even see the line. Jesus is saying, love me so much more that when you look back, the love that you had for your family seems almost uh, inconceivable, tiny, minute, because your love for me is so deep. Love me on a different level, Jesus is saying. Love me so much. Love me so exclusively. Love me so devotedly, so intensely that your devotion seems Incomparable. Jesus says, Choose me over them. Now, let's not, write this off, let's not write this off like it's easy to suddenly understand. This is still an incredibly radical statement for them and for us. This is a serious request. We have the benefit of hindsight. We know Christ as Messiah, we know Christ as the only Son of God sent to be the Savior of the world. We know that in Luke 14 Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the cross where he will die for us and therefore we know that he's totally worthy of our love. We sing our love and affection because of all that he's done for us but Jesus Jesus is talking to people who don't know that he's he's Messiah. They don't know that he's Redeemer and King. They're just a bunch of tagalongs who are being told, by the way, if you're going to follow after me, you've got to love me like you love nobody else. This is a big, big deal. He's asking for total devotion. It would be so hard to stay. When he made that statement, if you were in the crowd, what would you be thinking? I'm all in. Or, be, or would you be thinking, I just really I love my kids. <laughs> Stuff it. I'm off home. I like the miracles are good, and I enjoy the speaking, and I, uh, you know, I love being part of the crowd. But when it comes to a, a decision to follow him and love him more than anything, or just just stay home with the kids, I would have found it very difficult not to hit the road. Love me more than you do anyone else. And let me be honest, I do find it really difficult. I love my family and I can't imagine loving anyone more than that. Like I love Jesus, I really love Jesus, but my love for Jesus feels like a different kind of love. It doesn't feel like the same love that I have for my kids. I'm not saying I love them more, but it just feels different. I want to be honest with you. And the challenge would come when I am asked to choose between them. Would I choose Jesus or would I choose my family? If it got to the point where I had to make the decision, and I think about my friend Mo, Mo, my friend who got saved when he was, when we were kicking off with Eden. Mo, my mate Mo is in jail in Iran right now. He chose Jesus, not his family. He left his family and chose Jesus, and he's paying the price for it. He's counting the cost. I asked him, um, before he went into prison, he was waiting in like a detention center. I asked him, like, how, how are you doing this? How are you going to cope? And he said, how can I not go through with this? How, how can I turn my back on Jesus? All that he's done for me, why would I ever turn my back on him? He's all that I've got. I'm thinking, this is incredible. I wish I knew and could understand and comprehend the depths of love that my mate Mo, suffering in an Iranian jail has for Jesus. Could I do the same? Do I love Jesus so much that I would undoubtedly choose him to the point where my family are considered almost dead to me or that I am almost dead to them? I think about those people who have joined Eden, the number of different Eden workers I've met, and they've said, you know what? When I chose to move into the inner city, when I chose to uh, uh, relocate into an area of deprivation, my family said, you're stupid. Why would you do this? why are you doing this to us? And actually, I just love it. Would you obediently follow the call of God, even if it meant upsetting your relatives? Will you choose Christ over your family? I have some beautiful moments with my my boy Alfie at bedtime. Sometimes we'll just uh, chat about how much we love each other. It's very, 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 very precious. And sometimes we'll try and outdo each other on who loves each other the most. You know, and I'll say things like, I love you to the moon. And he'll say, I love you to the moon and back. And I'm, I'll am i say, I love you to the moon and back 10 times. And he'll go 100 times. And then whoever it's almost whoever can get to infinity times. And then it'll be, oh, I love you, infinity times 10. And then before you know it's infinity times infinity, I'm like, oh, you've got me. But one time when we were going through that, he said to me, Dad, uh, you are my second favorite dad. And I was like, what the heck? I got this like wave of utter jealousy. Do you mean your second favorite dad? Because Alfie's adopted and I'm like, no way. (laughs) He loves his birth dad more than me. I'm like, ah, like dying. And I said, you know, so like totally sensitively and calmly just asked him. Oh, okay. Like, who's your, who's your first favorite dad? Thinking, ugh, fuming, and uh, and he just said, um, "God's my favorite dad," and I'm like, "Yes, that's good. You did good, son. God, the heavenly father, can be your best dad. In fact, I want him to be your best dad. Choose him as your dad." He's great, and he's awesome, and he's wonderful. He's and it, oh, for now, I'm getting emotional. For now, that broke me, that church. Oh, for now, since the baptisms, I've been there like a gibbering wreck. I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> you know what? Follow that God. Follow that dad. That dad will never let you down. That n- dad will never leave you or forsake you. Tell that dad everything. Tell that dad that you love him. Go wherever he tells you to do. Uh, go. Do whatever he tells you to do. You know what I mean? but also you can't have any chocolate for the rest of the week. You know, that's, that's how it works. That's the discussion. If and when you come to terms with the first part of Jesus' great commandment, you get whacked with the second. If anyone comes to me and does not ha- hate even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Oh my goodness. If you, if you don't consider your family almost as hatred because you love me so much, then you've got to also know you've got to hate yourself, hate your life. But the same idiom applies. To love Jesus is to appear to hate by comparison. Do you love Jesus more than you do yourself? Would you choose him at any cost? And Jesus goes on to say, anyone uh, and, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Jesus is saying, hate yourselves so much that you take with you the cross of Christ upon your back. I'm so blown away by this statement. Whenever Jesus talks about the cross, see, Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. I always think whenever he mentions the cross, I'm like all is. He's never mentioned that he's gonna die on the cross, but yet he's ta- saying to people, take up your cross and follow me. What an odd statement. You know, there's no talk about him dying as the Messiah upon a cross yet, and yet he's calling his disciples to be cross carriers. Take with you a machine that on which to die, an object of death. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, our desires... Our loves, our demands stand against the things of God. They are by nature opposed to God and his plans and therefore take something with you that will each and every day put them to death. Die to self, kill individualism, kill self-centeredness, have the cross close at hand, have it upon your back, be carrying it at all times, be ready to kill whatever stands in opposition to Jesus. That's a big ask That's serious stuff. You don't put that on your colouring in sheet. Such a radical statement. And I don't know about you, but I love comfort. I love ease. I love a steady life. I love just a, a life in front of the fire with salted caramel chocolate. I'm good at self-preservation. I'm good at self-protection. I'm good at self-care, self-improvement, self-actualization. Do you see that self is very right at the heart of the spirit of the age? We're all about self. And then Jesus turns it all upside down. And he says, kill it all kill it all off. He calls us to kill off our desires, kill off our preferences, kill off our hopes and our wants and our dreams and our plans and our identity. All the things that the world would tell us are essential to who we are and we're to put them to death. Jesus says, love me so much more than you do yourself. That the love that you have for yourself looks almost unloving. Love me first. Jesus first. Jesus at all costs. Paul writes this in Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Compared to knowing Jesus, everything that I have, everything that I am is a bag of poo. It is it's dross, that's the Greek for garbage, a bag of poo, worth nothing, dead to me. The uh, theologian R. Kent Hughes says this, discipleship requires everything. There are no exceptions. No one has ever become a disciple of Jesus and lived a life of ease You can search the writings of the apostolic church and you will find no exceptions. You can check every writing and personal vignette during the first 400 years of the church and you'll find no disciples lounging on the bed of constant comfort. The same is true of the dark ages and the renaissance and the reformation and the 500 years of intervening history. Discipleship calls for sacrifice. It's not an easy ride. It reminds me of a story I read just the other day about four nuns who were killed by jihadists in 2016 in a Yemeni attack. And they were running this hospital, that I think there was about 80 or 90 different sick people that they were caring for. And as the kind of violence was building up, they were called by their um, like mother superior who said, you're able to leave, you're free to leave, don't stay, it's dangerous, you're free to leave. And they reportedly said back with one voice, we choose to stay and to live or die with our poor. And it was reported that they prayed every day this prayer, the prayer to resign themselves, to resign themselves to the will of God. And their prayer said something like this, with our hearts filled with greater love and enthusiasm, we begged God to continue to use our nothingness to make the church present in the world today. I just think it's so profound that was going through their mind, resign me, Lord, resign me. Like, I I put to death this life, resign my life, I resign it to you. Now use my nothingness, use all that I have, which is nothing but all that you've given me, and help me to change the world. And Jesus calls us now just to stop for a moment. After giving us these very heavy lines he gives us these two real quick parables and he says we're to count the cost. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost if you have enough money to complete it and if you lay the foundations and are not able to finish it everyone else who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000 if he's not able he will send a delegation with the other uh, uh, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace It's such an odd thing, we get this really powerful, heavy bit of teaching and then suddenly he's dropping some nice kind of stories for us. But Jesus says twice the same thing, sit down, sit down and consider. This is something so serious that you need to sit down and give it some time. We're to count the cost, but to count the cost you might need to just take a little bit of time because this is serious what he's asking of us. You know, we rush through some stuff, don't we? We're rushed to do worship, rushed to do prayer, rushed to get on with the mission of God, rushing here and there. And Jesus says, No, this is a big one, so take a seat and count the cost. Do you realize what it's going to take? Do you realize what you've got to give up in order to see this achieved? It's going to take everything. All your resources, do you have what it takes? all your heart, mind, soul and strength, everything you have. And in the same way, Jesus says, those who do not give up everything, everything, you cannot be my disciples. The cost is big. Sit down and have a think about it. This is costly discipleship. It costs everything. It reminds me of the, the great missionary, a guy called C.T. Studd, like play, playing for England in the cricket team, but feels the call of God to be a, a missionary, and he goes off to China. And with his last letter, he wrote before he died, he wrote back to his family, and he says this, As a believer, I'm now nearing my departure from this world, but I have a few things to rejoice in, and they are these one, that God called me to China and I went in spite of utmost opposition from all the, my loved ones. Number two, that I joyfully acted as Christ told the rich young ruler to act. Number three, I deliberately, at the call of God, uh, went alone to, uh, on the Bibby Liner in 1910, gave up my life for this work. Which was to henceforth not for, this, uh, for, the, for Sudan only, but for the whole unevangelized world. My only joy, therefore, are that my only joys, therefore, are that when God has given me a work to do, I have not refused it. This is a guy at the end of his life, looking back at all that matters, and he says this: Number one: facing utmost rejection from my family, a family that told him he was stupid, he chose Christ, Christ first he loved jesus more he chose to follow him and he sold everything he had you know like the rich young ruler was told to sell all his possessions and give it to the poor ct stood a very rich man playing england at the top level quits cricket moves to china with nothing he gets on the boat with nothing and he considers it all joy all joy All his joy is found in following God, following Christ. And when I consider, when I sit down and when I consider, I have to say I wrestle with this stuff. It's hard to preach this because I need time to work through whether I'm okay, whether I can go on, whether I can continue to follow because the bar is so high. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? The the cost of discipleship is massive. Though I want to go all in. Do I truly want to give up control of me? Can I truly love Christ more than my family? Can I truly love as I am called to? The cost of discipleship seems so costly, so expensive, but yet the promise is Christ my reward. We promise Christ, the one who gives up everything, gains Christ, the one who gave up everything. I get, I, I lose life, but yet I gain life, fullness of life. I gain love unimagined. I gain true purpose. There is so much in me that doubts whether this is a good deal, but yet it's the best Possible deal. Inside, I want comfort, I want ease, I want convenience, I want control. But yet, when I give all that up, what I gain in Christ is far, far richer. But myself says it doesn't make sense I'm fighting I'm wrestling do you wrestle like I wrestle wanting to keep hold of everything that I've worked for everything that I strive for everything that I hold dear and Christ is saying but it means nothing so let it be nothing because what you gain with me is everything I find it so hard to think about dying for self about carrying my cross And as I drove here this morning, I was weighing it all up, sitting in my car thinking, would I give it all up? Can I give it all up for Christ, counting the cost? Will I carry my cross? Can I carry the cross that I'm called to carry? Can you carry the cross that you are called to carry? I carry my cross daily though, as a reminder of Christ and his cross. I'm reminded daily of Christ's death upon the cross I'm reminded of his mercy I'm reminded of his great love you know he calls me to love him greatly and he's like look at me I love you with everything his great mercy that's Paul writes and it's in view of his mercy in view of his great mercy displayed upon the cross, that I lay my life down as a living sacrifice, dying to self because Christ died for me, living as a sacrifice because Christ died for me, laying down my life because he laid down his life for me. Jesus loves at great cost. Jesus is the one radically obedient. Jesus is the one that sacrifices it all. Jesus is the one that carries the cross. And he calls us to follow him. But sit down first. Count the cost. Then stand and rise to your feet. And follow the one who gives it all. Let's pray. Lord, these are heavy words. The call is great. And I can't pray on behalf of everyone here. Commit into a life after you. But I pray this morning that you'd help us. Help us to consider, Lord, all that you did for us on the cross. Help us to know the full extent of your love, your sacrifice, your obedience. Lord, these demands are high upon us, but you woo us with your grace. You astound us with your mercy. Draw us after you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you don't call us to somewhere or to something that you haven't been or something you wouldn't do yourself. You call us to carry a cross as you did. Lord, as we die to self, help us to rise with you.